This episode of our podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage for your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit their website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. Welcome, everybody. We're doing another podcast, Tesla Owners Online Podcast. If this is your first time joining, we want to say thank you to everybody who's uh, given some of your time, because I know sometimes these shows go a little long, but we have some awesome stuff to talk about uh, this week. But I want to bring on uh, my two usual co-hosts, Eric Camacho and Ian Pavelko, and we have a new guest here tonight. This is Lars from the Tesla Paratoros YouTube channel, and Lars is joining us from Madrid in Spain. It's 2 a.m. where he is, so... Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Well, <laughs> hey, you been? thanks for inviting me on here. And, uh, you know, if I fall asleep during the podcast, just, you know, just shout at me a bit and I'll try to wake up. <laughs> <laughs> he did have a nap, though. He told us that he did have a little bit of shut eye before the show. So, but we've been talking now for the last half hour. So he's bright, bushy. Tired. So we had a siesta. Yes. Oh, exactly. Oh, That's a, a, so a siesta before the fiesta. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, uh, Certainly some Tesla news this week, not as much as we usually like to, to see, but we have some things that we are going to chime in on. And then uh, as we usually do later on in the show, we'll get to your questions and answers. By the way, if you want to know where we get the questions and answers, if this is the first time joining the show, we uh, usually send out a tweet the day of the show with a Google form where you can submit your questions. And uh, boy, you guys certainly delivered this week again. We had lots this week or last week, and then we have even more this week, so it's awesome. Later on, we're actually going to do something a little bit uh, different that we started last week, but we'll get to that a little bit later. All right, first thing we want to talk about this week is the rash of articles and noise that's been made about this unintended, sudden unintended ex acceleration, also known as an SUA. Um, well, Tesla actually posted um, a blog post on their website. By the way, all links to everything we talk about will be in the show description. You guys can check it out. Uh, basically says there is no unintended acceleration Tesla vehicles. Tesla posted, they said this petition, by the way, the petition was started by a Tesla short seller who's basically went and gathered up a bunch of stuff and submitted it to Tesla without any shred of proof. Basically, they said this, this petition well, is completely false. To, to NHTSA. To NHTSA, yes, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration in the U.S., which apparently submitting those kind of things is highly illegal. Um, anyways. So Tesla goes on to say that it was uh, completely false. We investigate every single incident where the driver alleges to us that their vehicle accelerated contrary to their input. And with every case uh, where we had the vehicle's data, we confirmed that the car operated as designed. In other words, the car accelerates if and only if the driver told it to do so and it slows or stops when the driver applies the brake. Now, Jason Hughes, um, WK057, if I remember correctly, is what his Twitter handle is, um, is a white hack hacker type of thing who works on Tesla has been for years. This guy is an absolute expert outside of Tesla. Absolutely best guy. He chimed in on this. I don't have a link here in front of me, but basically said it's literally impossible uh, for this to happen because of the safety procedures and mechanisms that Tesla has put into the cars. So, um, and Ian, you were saying he, um, he actually contributes to, uh, what insurance company claims, whatever, to verify that this stuff. Yeah. He's been know. hired by both owners, insurance companies, and, uh, multiple different parties to do investigations on such of these, when these things have occurred on the cars. And so he's been in there many, many times on cars that were involved in sudden acceleration events. Um, if I remember the number correctly, and please don't quote me on this, but he, I think it was something around 17 of them that he investigated personally. 
and in zero of them did he find any evidence that the car powered on accelerated on its own the only thing that was driving it forward was the accelerator like there's absolute proof in the in the recordings uh, i mean you have two independent channels there's two independent circuits on the accelerator in these cars and if one of them fails or if either of them disagrees one with the other the car doesn't move i mean it's super super fail safe even if you apply the apply the brakes the Correct. brakes have more force capabilities even on a P100D yeah. with Ludacris, the brakes are even stronger than what the motors are capable of actually moving. So even if you applied all the brakes and you floored the pedal, yeah. the car still won't move. Well, for two reasons, actually. The second, if you have any sort of throttle on and on, the moment you touch the brake pedal, it actually kills the throttle signal. So the engine, the, 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 the electric motors will stop providing power the minute it sees brake. And Let's suppose that failed. If for whatever reason, it didn't see the brake signal. Uh, to your point, Trevor, even a P100D with wide open, you know, like going full acceleration, uh, the, the brakes in the car are more than powerful enough. They have more than twice the power of the motors in terms of the actual torque they can apply to the wheels. So the car will still stop. So the bottom line here is the short sellers are grasping at straws. If you haven't noticed, uh, Tesla's stock has been absolutely through the roof a little bit uh, lately. And uh, Eric, what happened to their market cap? <laughs> 100 billion dollars <laughs> second only to toyota you should have cued me on that one i would have taken the white cat bye bye <laughs> bye bye Vito. where's picasso when you yeah, leave <laughs> well i do want to at least kind of have this one opinion on the matter and and that's simply this in this era of misinformation, which is very easy to spread rumors and 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 false information lies if you want to call it that um because stuff spreads pretty quickly in, in the very small bubbles that certain parties like to navigate themselves into, that information can spread quite rapidly. Uh, I forget what the adage is, but the loose story is that um, uh, a lie can make its way around the world before the, the truth has a chance to put its pants on. Um, <laughs> I believe, it, I'm paraphrasing, I think it's pretty close to that. But needless to say, it's very disconcerting that this stuff continually happens. Now, in large part, these stories tend to coincide with good news from Tesla. So, for example, we know the next call, their earnings call is coming up, I believe, on January 29th. That will be Correct. next Wednesday. Yep. Uh, so it would not surprise me if there's some story conjured up that week that tries to make Tesla seem like, oh, here's a problem leading into the numbers to sort of distract people from what the numbers actually are going to be, which we know are going to be fantastic numbers from the end of the quarter. So um, it's bothersome in many ways. Uh, you know, I don't give a lot of credence to this. I, you know, I have often there was even that video I talked about uh, one of our recent shows where a guy recorded himself abusing autopilot and he resulted in a crash. And somebody on Twitter said to me, well, you not linking, it's not helping. I'm like, but the very idea of sharing that information only, you know, perpetuates the problem of sharing that bad information. So I don't like talking about it to be honest i think these sort of stories they they find our way to us because of the coverage that tesla gets and it's worth noting but beyond that you know if if i look if you if something seems somewhat untrue like if it just it sounds unreal it probably is not real i mean the idea that all of a sudden tesla cars can suddenly accelerate as trevor said you know the sudden uh, unattended you know the sua if that were to be true 
we'd all be raving concerns. We'd all be on our Twitter feeds telling people, hey, be very careful. If you know any problems, contact Tesla. If the Tesla community itself is not the ones talking about this, if they're not the ones sharing information, giving advisories, it's probably horse crap. Okay. And so to me, that's just the end all be all. If Tesla owners aren't saying anything, there's no credence to it whatsoever. This has been claimed before. It's not the first time. I mean, uh, there was... Go ahead, Lars. Sorry, I was just going to say, it it also just... It is so obvious what is actually happening. You know, people are parking. They might be taking, you know, stuff out of the car. And you sit in quickly. You put your foot on the brake pedal. And you miss the brake pedal. You hit the accelerator. It is so obvious what is really happening here that I, I... I don't see why there's even a question about it. I've, I've noticed as well, on top of what um, what Ian was saying about the safety measures already in place, the software on top of that will also cut out the accelerator pedal if it thinks that you have pushed it in, in error. And I've had this happening to me as well, because there's when I come home from work, there's a place where I have to get on a highway and there's quite a lot of traffic. So I hit the accelerator, the performance does its thing. But if there's a car relatively close to it, it'll sometimes not perform or sometimes not accelerate as fast as I would expect it to. And that's clear this, this function safety of mechanism. Yeah, the safety me- mechanism from the software doing its thing, saying, hey, you might have pressed the wrong pedal. So I'm not just going to do the zero to 60 in three seconds. Yeah, there's Good been, point. like I said before, there have been several instances of this happening in the past. And every time Tesla's investigated these things and they've pulled the logs out of the car, it's always been, always been someone unintentionally pressing the accelerator instead of the brake. And so driver it's not the error. car's fault. It's driver error every single time. Yeah. And, um, and this, this is not a new phenomenon. I mean, um, I don't know, Trevor, you'd be old enough to remember, but back in the 1980s, um, the new show, 60 Minutes, went after Audi really hard for unintended acceleration in their cars. And sadly, when it came time to film it, they couldn't actually get the car to do it, so they jury-rigged the car to, to actually do it on its own. And I mean, it took years for that truth to come out, but there was a whole bunch of lawsuits that went back and forth. And finally it was proven that the car was jury rigged for the TV show. Hmm. And Audi was able to demonstrate in every instance, it was driver error. In Audi's case, it was a little more obvious why, because of the European nature of the pedal setup, they were much closer together than you would typically see in a North American automatic car. Uh, that's what was causing the problem. But they did the same demonstration. They, they took, you know, at the time, their fastest car, the 200 Turbo, foot to the floor at 140 miles an hour, stood on the brakes, and the car came screeching to a halt. And go on YouTube, go on Twitter, go anywhere you want. On any given day, you'll see hundreds of videos of cars going through, you know, the fronts of banks, uh, mm-hmm. gas stations, wherever. This is common across the automotive spectrum. It's just driver error. End of story. I saw a video clip just recently. Someone captured it on Sentry Mode, where a um, Jaguar I-Pace did exactly the same thing. Did you see oh, that? Really? No, I didn't. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw it that one. Went, right, right into the bushes. Yeah. So I don't know what the situation is there, but it was just funny that uh, Sentry Mode caught that. All right. Well, so anyways, it's uh, it's just Fudster stuff. It's the usual thing, uh, you know, with Tesla. It's like if the news is good, uh, try and press on for some bad news to push the stock back down. But, anyways, it is what it is. All right, some better news this week. Uh, I want to bring this up so you guys can see this. Tesla has reached, apparently, a deal clearing way for Michigan service centers. Way! Uh, This has been an ongoing problem if you're new to the Tesla community. Um, Tesla in the United States has issues selling in certain states, namely uh, Connecticut, Texas, um, uh, Indiana, I think, at one time. Where was it? Anyways, we'll get to that here in a second. But anyways, here's the big news. 
Uh, Tesla has reached a settlement with the state of Michigan over its federal lawsuit challenging a state ban on direct-to-consumer sales, according to the people familiar with the matter. In a victory, in a partial victory for Tesla, the accord uh, clears the way for the electric car manufacturer to open service centers in the states through a subsidiary, said one of the people who asked not to be identified, ahead of the filing in the U.S. District Court. That's expected as soon as Wednesday, so it's passed now. I haven't uh, hasn't had any updates here. Customers will still have to title their cars in another state and transfer them to Michigan. Later on in the article, they say, in a 2016 lawsuit, Tesla said that, that it was being stymied by automakers and dealers in Michigan. It's been waging war, uh, similar battles in Texas and Connecticut for license to sell directly to cu- uh, customers, arguing that it doesn't violate dealers' rights because the company doesn't have any dealers. In 2016, uh, Dermot O'Connell, then Tesla's vice president of business development, accused GM of pushing legislation that we keep its direct sales model banned in Indiana. Tesla now has two stores and one service center in that state. So this is fantastic news. However, I want to bring something up here that, that I actually found here. Um, there, are, uh, Brent uh, Brett Swanson on Twitter uh, chimed in on this, and I'm going to read a little bit of what he said, and, and I want to have a discussion about this. He says, the news reports are low on details, but the basic framework covers two key points. One, that Tesla creates a wholly owned subsidiary in Michigan that will manage sales, service, and deliveries. This part will not affect customer pricing, but will add some bureaucracy for Tesla. And two, the customer must title the car in another state first and then retitle it as a used car into Michigan. That's not 100% clear. But anyways, this will result in a two-title registration fees, but it doesn't specify which state and territory. This creates a huge opportunity for Michigan customers, and I suspect Tesla knows it. He goes on to say... The big key is sales tax. By selling the new car in another state territory, Michigan loses out on the 6% sales tax, which bills for new cars. This is approximately $3,000 on a $50,000 car. There are four states with no sales tax, Delaware, Montana, Oregon, New Hampshire, and Alaska. He says, I'd be shocked if Tesla isn't looking uh, through each one of the state's regulations to title all of Michigan cars prior to the transfer. Some t- uh, states may require their vehicle to be present or delivered, but even so, it would, it, would make, it would take a quick, fast track law to change this. He says, even if the car needs to be present at the point of title, Oregon and Montana would be a quick detour from Fremont on the way to Michigan. The winning state will receive free tax dollars with nothing more than shuffling paperwork. With a good website, it could be a tax printing machine. Hmm. He says, additional Additionally, I played around with Michigan title and registration calculator, and from what I can tell, it's cheaper to transfer a title to, into Michigan rather than to let a new car title uh, rather than to get a new car title, uh, not being much cheaper. But it is still less. And I, but he says uh, I could be prong, uh, proven wrong on this point. See, uh, he goes on finally to say the way that I'm seeing this at the moment, this settlement could result in Michigan providing an instant Tesla discount of two to $6,000 per car at a time of purchase, which is a more suitably uh, powerful subsidy than an end-of-year tax credit. And because it's percentage-based, the higher the sales price, the better. He says, I'm keeping it out for uh, fully vetted and researched articles on this, but it seems that the big three automakers and dealership groups have a shot have shot themselves in the foot. Um, all right, let's have a discussion about this. This has been an ongoing issue for Tesla for many years. It, I find it strange that the United States is the only place in the world where these kind of laws actually exist and prevent it from doing it actually on a state-by-state basis. Um, there are many other countries in the world, including Canada, where I live, uh, where manufacturers are allowed to sell directly to the customer, including Tesla actually does that. The difference is, is that why it's not more common is because the franchise system has been in existence forever, forever and it works. Why rock the boat? Um, so, 
yeah, this is <laughs> this is a big win for them, and I think that this could potentially potentially set a precedent for the other states maybe to fall in uh, align with this because um, getting the laws adjusted in such a way to you know to allow this to happen is pretty important for the people. I mean, this this rigmarole of having to buy a car out of the state, take the uh, delivery out of state, and then bring in I mean, it's it's a nightmare. I mean, it, it should it should be a lot simpler. Um, anyways, I want you guys to chime in. I have more thoughts here, but I need to clear my head. So go ahead. I have a question about this. Um, so Michigan will lose sales tax on Tesla's sold there because they have to be sold somewhere else and then imported as, as well secondhand cars. So it's in their own interest to actually make allow them to sell them right there. Well, in case you didn't know, um, the see, here's the deal in the U.S. Um, the states that are fighting Tesla are using what I call a just law in an unjust way. And the way that it works out is the dealer lobbies have gotten together, and they're so powerful that they get these laws passed to protect themselves, to prevent the manufacturers of doing what Tesla is actually doing now, which is selling direct to the customer. They want everybody to do through a franchise so they can get a cut of the pie. The difference, though, is that Tesla doesn't operate franchises, never have. And there's never been a single instance of a dealer in the U.S. going out of business because Tesla sells direct. That just doesn't happen. What they're doing is that they want Tesla to play by the same laws, even though it doesn't even apply to them. So they're always saying to them, well, you, you know, you should give us a license and you should let us do a franchise. And Tesla's saying, it doesn't work that way, man, because you can't make money on the car um, on the service aspect, which is, I mean, the whole point of having a franchise is the only place they make money. Um, and for us to give a discount to you breaks our basic tenet that nobody gets a discount on the car. Mm-hmm. So anyways, that's what they're doing. They're trying to use this this law that everybody has to play by um, against Tesla in a way that actually makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. So Tesla has gone to court in these uh, various states to try and fight for some kind of leeway or whatever, let us operate. I think it was in, Conne- um, was it Connecticut? I forget. Anyways, they basically said, you know, let us open a certain amount of stores or showrooms. In some places, the, the employees are not even allowed to talk about pricing or financing. I think that's even to Texas for that matter. So anyways, it's pretty messed up. Yeah. The the rationale I have, so this is, this is <laughs> I, I have two core thoughts on the matter. The first is I think these archaic laws, and I will use the term archaic with the nicest possible uh, intonation, um, <laughs> These archaic laws need to be updated because as we've come to learn in recent years, um, companies like Airbnb, Uber, Lyft, um, Amazon, many others, um, a lot of these technology companies have revolutionized the way we think of transportation, the way we think of e-commerce, the way we think of a number of different things. And there are a lot of laws that have, are not prepared for what those businesses do from an operation standpoint. So for example, if I'm a homeowner, and I put up my property on Airbnb, how is the state going to collect taxes on what ideally is a hotel reservation? You know, so if you don't have laws in place that account for that, then there's lost revenue all the time. The only benefit, you know, the only benefactor in that circumstance would be the homeowner. If it's not, you know, if you're not filing paperwork and having to make it known that you are essentially now an innkeeper, a bed and breakfast sort of innkeeper. So Tesla's model, while it is very unique, they're being perceived by the lawmakers as a standard automotive dealership, when by and large, the way that they sell cars does not make them a standard automotive dealership. So like you pointed out, Trevor, 
they're trying to apply now an outmoded, outdated, archaic law onto a company that, while it is selling a similar product to, you know, Dodge Chrysler or what have you, they're not doing it in the same manner. To me, the way they test the cars is no different than you buying a drum set on Amazon. The state's not collecting taxes all the time and everything you order, it depends where it's shipping from. If it happens to ship from within your state, you're probably going to pay taxes on it. If it doesn't ship within your state, I mean, there's a number of things I've ordered on Amazon that I've never paid taxes on. I mean, that's just what it is. Hmm. But if I buy the same products here in Florida, I pay sales tax. If I buy the same products in Delaware, in New Hampshire, in Montana, I don't pay state sales tax. So it is it is sort of an, uh, an alarmist reaction for some of these legislators to be, um, you know, stalwarts and not letting Tesla kind of get their way. And, you know, this and I think there's still a lot of things about this. We need to be careful about what we're saying, because I don't think we know everything about the settlement yet. I think it's going to once that's sort of ironed out, the details are made well known. Maybe we'll, you know, some things that have been uh, opined here might be different uh, in the short term. But ideally, it's it's still the idea. Of, it, it just comes down to the basic premise of why are you making it harder for a company to bring business into your state and bring more revenue as taxpayers. I, I just, I don't understand the rationale of why you want to keep people from doing that. It doesn't make it's any all sense. all about this, man. <laughs> you have one of those? Can I have one? I don't, I don't, <laughs> people still carry cash these days? Gosh. <laughs> Canada's It's all about weird. the moolah, man. Yeah. 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 Whoever can fleece the, whoever can line the next guy's pockets more. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of these cases, you know, with the dealer lobbies, that's what they're doing. I mean, they make big contributions to, um, I mean, the argument that they will make is like, well, we put a lot of money in the economy because we employ a lot of people and, you know, we sponsor, you know, sports teams and all this other stuff. And and that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But to say, to say to the consumer, well, it's in your best interest, you know, for for consumerism or uh, consumer choice to uh, to force Tesla to do something that they don't want to go. I mean, where's the choice in that? I mean, everybody knows that buying a car other than a Tesla is a very toxic experience, right? Nobody likes the dealership model in the sense that, oh, let me go talk to my manager. And you're sitting there for five or six hours. It's not a fun process. Our friend Mike Mark Benton is literally doing that right now, or actually did it today or yesterday. I forget what it was. He went in by Dodge Ram and he tweeted out, here we go, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, at least with a Tesla, you go to order online, the, the price is fixed, uh, the car gets delivered to, uh, you know, end of story. So I think most people, at least from the buying experience, is actually better. And and I understand where the dealers are coming from, that they've got millions and millions of dollars invested in these dealerships and mm-hmm. legacy and stuff. And they don't want to be undercut. And I get that. And nor nor should they. But to say that Tesla should play by the same rules when Tesla is not interested in giving anybody a franchise in the first place... Uh, I mean, it, it goes, your argument goes completely out the window. But they're also not selling the same product. I mean, if you're going to have a dealership like, 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 if you're going to have a gas car lot and you're going to have, you know, an electric competitor in Tesla, you're not selling the same thing. So unless you're selling a four-door gasoline engine sedan and another and a different dealership, different make and model, four-door gas sedan, then you're dealing with that as competition. I think the lobbyists are in due part acting on the idea that Tesla is true competition because a lot of folks are looking at what Tesla's producing in terms of products or looking at high net mug. If you're listening to the podcast, uh, Trevor's not holding his cat. He uh, jumped up in my arms. Eh, well, that's okay. He, he, you know, he wants he attention. Left. 
I know he does. <laughs> Carry on, sorry. So, so the idea is that these companies see Tesla as true competition, even though they're not selling the same things. And we've talked about this in the show before. You want to be competitive with Tesla? Then start selling electric cars. It's not, this isn't rocket science. You know, I mean, we know that Chevrolet, you know, had their crack at it. Um, you know, we know General Motors did many years ago. They had, you know, one of the first electric vehicles in the market. Um, if you want to stay competitive, then sell a damn electric car. But to, you know, to, their rationale is if we spend enough money to keep them out, then we're not going to end up losing money in the long run. Because if Tesla then comes into the state and they can sell to residents of that state, they're going to go, well, I need a car. If I can't get in a Tesla, then I guess I have to go somewhere else. That's, that, they're going to keep fighting for that, especially in the state as large as Texas. The problem I see, too, with the traditional dealership model is they have a real upward hill battle in selling electric vehicles because their business is completely 180 degrees from what Tesla's doing, right? And, I mean, there has been so many instances of people that gone into whatever. I mean, Kia has a great car, the Nero or the, uh, the uh, what's, what's the other one called, uh, the sedan? Anyways, but people are trying to buy these cars, and the dealers are like, well, we don't have allocation. We don't know we can get a car. Can we interest you in something like this? And people are like, no, I don't want that. I want the electric car. So, you know, it it's one thing to try and want the car. It's another to try and buy the thing when they're trying to not really anti-sell it, but they don't even have a product to sell you in the first place. I mean, Tesla's the only place you can actually go and actually buy something and actually get it in a reasonable amount of time, all things considered. Um, don't fool yourself, though. Dealers know how to make money, and they will adjust over time. Yeah. But it's going to take some time. So, anyhow, I think we've beaten this over. <laughs> this is a dead horse. <laughs> You know, well, I, I just want to, just because it's sort of relevant, I want to um, highlight something that's going on in Quebec, which I find fascinating, which is a little bit of a hack that sort of keeps everybody happy. And there's a number of new car dealerships here, two GM dealerships, uh, which I know, one of them, uh, Racine, which I've, I've worked with before to help promote the product, is they are actually buying new Teslas from Tesla and selling them to retail consumers at a very slight premium. It's about $1,500 over what Tesla would charge you for the car, but they offer a whole slew of advantages. For instance, they'll, they're able to uh, claim the um, both rebates for the car and offer it to you at upfront. Normally you have to claim the $8,000 from Quebec yourself and wait several months. They take care of all that themselves. They have killer finance deals, so they can often get you a better finance rate than Tesla can. Um, they have all sorts of different insurance things and th they package in a bunch of services to make it attractive. So they've kind of jumped on board. I mean, so they figured it out. Yeah. I mean, it must be driving GM nuts, but they're like, look, this is going on. We, we have a certain service advantage that we can offer the customer. You know, if you can't beat them, join them. So that's what they're doing. I, I think it's a fascinating approach and Hey, Detroit, maybe <laughs> this is the, the angle you want to take. You exactly. want to keep your. Uh, you want to keep your. Also, the bottom line is greed is prevalent in all of this, mm -hmm. and I, as someone who you know, sort of sick of companies trying to get every nickel and dime they can at every poor schlep who's trying to get a car, um, you would do better acquiescing a bit more to the consumer, and not be such a hard ass, and not make it difficult. You know, the process shouldn't take six hours to buy a car. Um, you know, it shouldn't be a bartering about, I give this and you give that and he give me a figure and like, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it there, I'm not even kidding. It was easier for me to buy my house than it has been in the past to buy a car. I will say <laughs> there has not be the case. <laughs> yeah. I will say I have started to see 
more uh, traditional dealers move to that no haggle? I mean, literally today I just drove past um, a um, Audi dealership um, who also owns a Volkswagen next door and stuff. And right on the front window it says, you know, we, we make the process easy. There's no haggle. Prices are set. I mean, they're starting to move to that, that model, no haggling. Um, you know, and we all know that that is the toxic part of the experience. If you take the haggling part out of the buying of the car, it's generally a lot easier. How is it in Europe there, Lars? Since you're here, I mean, might as well chime in. What's the situation like in Europe? How, how is, is it the same thing there or is it different? Well, the car buying experience, it might not be six hours, but it's similar. You have to go in, you have to haggle and you have to go to different dealerships and pitch them against each other and, and try to get the best price. And, and it's similar in that way, but I don't think we have the same problem where laws prohibit Tesla from selling direct to customers. Um, I know that Tesla constitutes companies, local companies, and so there's Tesla in Spain and Tesla in other countries so that they have the rights to sell here, but it, they do not have to go through a dealership franchise model in any way, such as, as, as you have over there. It's just not part of the legislation we have over here. Um, in but other yet you way, still have franchise dealers, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I guess, as far as I understand, over there, you go into a, a buyer car and, and the dealer will push you to buy something they have on the lot so you, they can get the money right there. Upfront. Yeah. Right. Over in Europe, if you buy a new car, you'll very often order one from factory still. So it's that in that respect, it's not so different from what Tesla does. Um, mm -hmm. But we still get the hackling and it's and it's and it's difficult and people dislike it. Mm hmm. Well, that was my understanding as well. Like I said, uh, the United States is the only place in the world that, that have these kind of crazy laws. And that's why I go back and say that... America! Uh, e e yeah. <laughs> Even though the franchise thing has existed for a long time, it's just a known thing, and that's what people accept, and that's what they do, so they don't really go and bother. I do know that here in the Toronto area, I think there's at least one or maybe two dealers that are actually company-owned. I think they're Mercedes or something like that. And um, seems to work, but um, anyways, it is what it is. All right, let's move on here. We have um, a rumor going around, and I we'll talk about this here in a second. This came way of a post on Reddit. Yes, so a customer, <laughs> very reliable source. Okay. Yes, very reliable right source. reaction, Lars. I know, I know. <laughs> Um, so this person says, I just received a phone call from an employee at Tesla Oakville, Ontario. That's about an hour away from where I live. He says, he was calling to guide me through the upcoming delivery process of my Model Y. I asked when to expect delivery. He told me the performance variant will start deliveries next month and that I could expect a long-range all-wheel drive in March and April. Anyways, later on, he goes on to say that all variants will be available in Q3. I actually reached out to this person. And I have not heard back. I did hear from someone else on one of the Facebook groups that said that they got a similar phone call as well. I'm calling this completely bunk at this point. Um, I know a friend of mine who um, also ordered a performance Model Y who actually called the actual store itself and asked specifically. And they said, no, it's it's, pull, it's, it's bull. It's, it's not true. It was all made up. So I'm calling bunk on this one. Um, mainly because <laughs> Tesla employees, I'm sorry, at the delivery side of things, don't generally know this kind of stuff in advance. However, I mean, there is a slight possibility they might have gotten some kind of window or something like that, but an announcement of this caliber would not come until Tesla's actually ready to actually talk about this. Mm -hmm. So 
I mean, we've long said on the show that we expect deliveries, initial deliveries to start somewhere in the April-ish time frame, maybe March if we're really lucky. Things are moving along. I mean, model-wise, we're just spotted in Wisconsin. Um, or was it Minnesota? Sorry, in Minnesota, uh, cold weather testing. Yeah. So, you know, it's coming. They're, they're working on this. But uh, as early as next month, uh, which is basically February, I think it's still, still too soon. So, anyways... I thought we'd put it out there. We don't like to comment on rumors all that much. Too but, soon. Uh, <laughs> it's too soon. It's too soon. I tweeted this out yesterday, which is the just the complete sheer idiocy of the entire thing. Like, or is it today? It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. But the, the basic premise is that here we are when, when there's headlines going, it might, something might happen. Yeah, okay, or it might not. These 50-50 news headlines, kiss my ass. Like, just get out of here with that nonsense. <laughs> it's, a, it's irrelevant. It really is irrelevant. Um, because here's what happens. If you, if you, you know, opine that, okay, well, I, I, you know, I have heard a rumor model Y might come out in February. Okay. And then it doesn't. Well, you know what? I only said it might come out in February and you know what? It might come out in March. Yeah. And the roadster might come out in March and the semi might come out in March. And you could do this with any freaking model car. They're going to have a silver model three with new wheels might come out in June. It doesn't matter. The might is not journalism. Okay, it's like, and I give the example of the who's going to win the Super Bowl? Um, maybe the 49ers. Yeah, you're right. It may be the 49ers or it may be the Chiefs. It's one of the two. <laughs> you're going to be right either way. Yeah. Um, but that's but it's just a senseless article. It doesn't make any sense. And I'm not naming some outlets, but there are some people who would take that little snippet of a news headline and make it into this large gargantuan, you know, uh, word blog or something. And and it's like it's guys. It doesn't mean anything when you say if if you're like you know tesla is going to hit uh seven hundred dollars stock in the next week or so and there's data to support that okay i'm kind of with you on that we were like hey uh, tesla stock might hit a thousand dollars and then split i'm not holding my breath on that one no it's 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 just it's stupid um and lars had the right reaction when something (laughs) occurred on reddit reddit that is not the journalism I'm looking for when it comes to uh, validated stories. But, well, exactly. Here's what I imagine happened. A salesperson from Tesla in Ontario says, I'm going to go through this list of reservation holders, see if I can upsell them an X or an S. <laughs> so I'm going to call them. And he did that. He ca- caught this guy. And this guy said, no, nah, no, nah, I want my wife. When is that coming out? And he goes, uh, I don't know. Um, March, February, whatever he said. Yeah, and, that's, and that goes on to, uh, to Reddit. And I think that's that's what happened. That's right? very likely what what happened. And this news gets spread out very quickly, and it goes to head office very quickly, and then the hammer comes down. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, it's bunk. We're not worried about it too much. So, anyways, it is what it is. All right, uh, let's go on to Elon took to Twitter and gave us some new information. So, first of all, Elon said, uh, "Want to play the Witcher game on your Tesla? You can already watch the show on Tesla Netflix Theater." And he was asking yes or no. So Tesla or Elon's asking if people want to play some new games. Um, people overwhelmingly, 85.4% as the uh, recording of the show have voted yes. And then someone uh, just underneath that asked Elon, can you add the SpaceX version to Kerbal Space Program? He says it's on the list. Wow. That's awesome news. Um, uh, someone else below that asked about uh, Polytopia. He says he's working on it. Uh, let me see here. There was uh, Polytopia, which, yeah, so those are the three games uh, potentially coming to the Teslas. Um, it, has anybody ever played Kerbal Space Program? No. Nope. You know what it is? No. 
Oh, I, that's I've awesome. seen it. It looks incredible. It's I mean, a fantastic game. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. I mean, if there's any game I would love to play on the car, that would be the one. I don't know how it would translate with a controller and stuff like that because it's hard enough to play on the on the computer with a mouse but uh hella fun to play that game build rockets send them off to space watch them blow up go to planets explore it's it's a it's a heck of a lot of fun so i'm really glad to see that that's potentially on the list to come out so yeah all right moving on um something very near and dear to my heart the (laughs) the tesla cybertruck lego kit is one step closer to hitting stores as it qualifies for official review now those of you who may be Lego fans like myself, there is a website called Lego Ideas where people can build their own creations or what they call my own creations or mocks for short. And you can submit them for uh, review, peer review. And if people get enough votes, and the number, if I recall correctly, is 10,000 votes, uh, it goes under review at, um, at Lego where they can actually consider building one of these things uh, as, as an official Lego kit. So anyways, the kit got full support, so it moves on to the second stage. So there's a good potential that this fantastic kit, and this guy is a really, really great builder. I'll put a link down in the video description. You guys can watch um, some of his uh, stuff that he's done on um, on YouTube and stuff. But anyways, he's a, he's a really, really good builder. And um, yeah, thumbs up for this one. <laughs> I really like this. The cyber, it looks really cool. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Uh, yeah. I'm really for those, for those that uh, don't know, whenever I see like a Lego story, I try to share it with uh, <laughs> with Trevor because it gets really excited. And uh, they we were have quite a, the collection. There was even a um, uh, a recent uh, news uh, report of the International Space Station coming to Lego. That's true. Yeah, they just released the kit. Mm-hmm. Although I don't have any room over here on my shelf. Actually, what, you, you don't see my shelf here. Just but get a I've got a Saturn V right here. I've got the Lego Bugatti. I got lots of kits. The one that I would really like as a complement to the lunar lander that I have is uh, the Apollo space capsule, the command module, in the same scale. That would yeah, be awesome. the whole thing, that the would, command and service module would be nice. That would be awesome. Yeah. Please make it happen. <laughs> so being Danish, I have to say that Lego, Lego is, you know, the biggest Danish brand. And, uh, I mean, the Cybertruck, I think they actually designed the Cybertruck straight in Lego just from the get-go <laughs> and that's why it looked the way it does did, did you did you see the um did you see the sick burn that lego put on uh, tesla about the cyber truck <laughs> what, did, what did they do it was just a brick with two wheels on it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was awesome have you guys uh, seen these, these replica cyber trucks that are being built there's a couple yes. of guys that are building a full full scale one uh, I've there's a, like a there's a half scale one being built in uh, Kitchener, which is about yeah. two hours from me. Those guys yeah. call the Hacksmith. That's right. Uh, I watch their YouTube channel. They're they're funny guys. Um, yeah, and the Russian guys are building one too. So yeah, lots of fun. Cybertruck's going to go places, but anyways, we'll see what ha- happens there. All right, I think we're getting to the point now where we can take a little bit of a break here from one of our sponsors, and we'll come back and we'll answer your viewer and listener questions. Fine Lab has aligned protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. FineLab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla. We were meant for each other. 
Well, welcome back. This is the part of the show where we answer your viewer and listener questions. Just as a reminder, we send out a tweet of the day of the podcast. Usually we record on Thursdays where you can submit a Google form with whatever question you'd like, and we do our best to try and answer it on the show. Before we begin, I want to go back and do a little bit of follow-up because we had a question last week from Thomas, and that's one of the reasons Lars actually reached out to me and said, hey, I would like to talk about this. So let's go back and revisit. Thomas last week had asked us, I'm in Paris and Model 3 is quite big for European cities. Is there any chance we'll see a Tesla the size of an Audi A3 or VW Golf in the next two or three years? Why has Tesla never mentioned a smaller car in their plans? And we had talked and we thought, well, Model 3 is, you know, is BMW 3 Series size. I mean, quite popular in Europe and stuff. And like, what's he talking about? Mm. So Lars... Yeah, so um, I heard your discussion. I thought that you know you kind of need a European point of view here because absolutely, please. What do. you call a small car is a massive car over here. Um, <laughs> yeah. If you look at the top twenty-five most sold cars over here, there is not a single one that is as long as the Model Three. All of them are smaller, without exception. Mm -hmm. um, the closest thing is like a Skoda Octavia, which is still slightly smaller than the Model Three. Mm. So the Model Three. It's not uncomfortable, but it sits outside of the popular sizes that we've got over here. If you look at the top 10, it's like it's a Golf Polo, uh, Renault Clio. I don't know if you get Renault over there. I don't think you we do. We used right? to in the 70s, not anymore. Okay. So it's like Ford Fiesta, that, you know, either the compact or the subcompact uh, cars. And those are immensely popular. Mm, so. Yes. I mean, you can drive a Model 3 around everywhere. I do. I, I drive into the center of Madrid, uh, and it's fine. It's not as agile as other cars around there. It does, the turning circle is just enormous compared to European cars. And I, 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 get, I, I don't mind. I'm, I'm used to that kind of car, that size of car. But it's not what's popular over here. It's not what people want. Well, it's, some, it's not what everybody wants. It's not the most popular uh, size over here. So, so Model S must be absolutely a gargantuan car for you. Oh, my God. I had a, I had a Model X for, for a week that uh, the Tesla lent me, and I could just barely get it into my garage. I couldn't open the factoring doors. You can't. You can't. It's no. very difficult to use that car over here. I could so, never fit the Model X in my garage. Yeah. So, but I, I can go to a shopping center. I can't fit the Model X inside the garage. It's just too tall. It's just, it's just massive. It, I wonder, are, though, is, is part of that because of just the age of roads in Europe and how small they were made that they just never large cars wouldn't even fit on those roads correct, properly? I guess, I guess that's part of it. But uh, yeah. I, we just, it, it just builds on top of each other, right? You get smaller roads, so you get smaller parking spaces, then you get smaller cars, and then you don't need bigger roads anyway. So new roads are smaller as well. Yeah, so infrastructure is already right? there. So, I mean... The Model 3, I notice it particularly when I park it, is quite wide. It sticks out on the road compared mm -hmm. to other cars. I mean, <laughs> who knows how the Cybertruck's going to get around over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But it is just a bigger car. And back to the, the, to the question is, are we ever going to see a smaller car? Now, uh, they have talked extensively about a $25,000-ish car, maybe a compact or a subcompact. And we've seen this sketch out of China. Yes. And they talked about, we're going to design a car in China that, for the worldwide market. Not necessarily build it in China, but design it in China. And I was thinking to myself, why would you design it in China? Well, you design it in China because there's a culture for having smaller cars as well. So if you design it uh, over in California, it might not, you might not have all that cultural knowledge of what, what, is, what is going to appeal to, to people uh, with a smaller car market. So I think, contrary to what you said last week, I think there's a pretty good chance that that might actually happen. Now, the argument against it would be 
we're not actually going to have and own these smaller cars because we're just going to have full self-driving robot taxiing us around everywhere. However, that's going to be a tough sale over here in Europe. Legislation is really tough on what you can actually do. You guys have cobbled mm-hmm. autopilot for crying out loud. Yeah. I, my, my autopilot is nerfed compared to yours. It can't take sharp corners. It can't auto lane change. There's a bunch of stuff it just can't do because it, it's not legally allowed to do it. Mm-hmm. And until we get to a full robo-taxi service, I mean, it could be another decade on top of when, when you get there. So in that decade, there is a, certainly an opportunity to get into the market that Volkswagen is in, that you know, Toyota is in with all these smaller city cars. And it's just what people want over here. So, I mean, we all got super excited when we saw the sketch out of China that looked like a small hatchback and Tesla. That's, that would re- be really appealing to the U- European customer over here. Well, I'm glad that you chimed in on that because we wanted your opinion, and mm. um, I have to agree with you. I would I would say that that's actually a good move on their part. I mean, Elon's gone to say in the past, well, we're not really interested in doing, you know, a smaller car because you know so- something smaller than the Model Three because of the robo taxi fleet. But I think you make a good point there. I mean, there's a lot of incumbents that are going to come up, and uh, you're, they're leaving money on the table. Totally, totally. Right? Yeah, big, yeah, big time. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. All right, so this week's questions, let's start with the first one. Uh, this one's really directed at Eric. Uh, Alex uh, submits, he says, um, Eric, you live in an HOA. When do you think HOA will start banning ICE vehicles from their community? If they have any sense about them, they won't ever do it. H- HOAs want money. They want tenants. They want people paying their, their monthly dues. Uh, if you start banning people because of the car they're driving, which, why would you ban a bunch of cars? They're no emission. They're not pollutants. They're not going to like, you know, kill the grass behind the parking bumper. They're not going to, you know, um, be a a bane on this community. They're not noisemakers. You know, I I just, I understand why they would do that. Um, I will say though, that by and large, I just want to, I think you think he's asking if they're going to ban EVs. He's asking if they would ban ice vehicles, gas cars. Well, I'm saying either way, it's the same thing. I mean, I mean, yeah, no, I agree with your point. I just want to, yeah, yeah. I I just, I mean, I, I, to me, the rationale is just to say, I mean, I was focusing on electric cars to begin with because it, it, it sounds just as dumb. Like, I mean, to me, it's like when you consider, and look, we've talked about the numbers before. In 2000, I think it was 2018. Yeah, because we're still waiting for numbers for 20. In 2018, 2% of automotive sales, 2% were electric cars. You can't thereby ban 98% of the automotive fleet because they're going to be ICE cars. Um, I, you know, can you, can HOAs ban certain kinds of cars? Yeah. They could say you can't have a vehicle that's over a certain height or a certain size or, you know, wheels or something. Yeah. You're not going to have a, you know, a, a big foot, uh, you know, truck, <laughs> car parking than a no car. cyber trucks allowed. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, and look there again, there could be restrictions that, you know, I know there are communities here in South Florida, Weston, for example, which is West of the Lauderdale airport. Some of the restrictions there are crazy. Like you can't have a broken down vehicle parked in your driveway. You can't have trucks parked on a certain time of the week. It's there's all kinds of weird restrictions that HOAs can have. Um, to that end, I will say it's up to you as the potential homeowner to decide if you want to live within those restrictions or not. But I'm also the person who's run for office before, and I will say if you want to change the policy, run for your HOA board and be part of the change. Uh, you know, your voice matters when you attend those meetings. But if you're one of the electors who gets to make those changes into reality, then do that. Um, 
So don't don't sit idly by. I mean, the power is always with the people. I've always said that democracy is a wonderful thing. Uh, the founding fathers here in America were geniuses. Uh, we're seeing that play out this week uh, with the impeachment of our president. Um, but yeah, if uh, if if an HOA ever said, yeah, we're going to ban ICE cars, you're going to a lot of people going to go, well, I'm not going to live here then. Yeah, that'd be happen. dumb. That'd be so dumb. Yeah. Well, thanks for the question, Alex. Uh, next one comes from Dave. He says, does anyone know how to tell whether supercharging is working before you pull in or which ones have slower charge rates? Does it help to start and stop uh, and restart a charging session if you're getting a slow charge? Even when I navigate to one that doesn't always seem to charge fast. Um, no, there's no way until you actually plug in. Now, I'm going to assume that Dave knows about the, on the regular chargers to skip you know, the charger, make sure you're not sharing with someone if you can get away with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes you don't have a choice. You just kind of plug in. I have run into the odd case where it's like, okay, I plugged into it. I'm getting a slow state of charge. I know the car well enough to know that I should be getting this rate, but I'm not. Sometimes you unplug, you go to another stall and magically you get better charge rate. So unfortunately, no, there's no way. And, and, you know, clicking on the supercharger uh, on your screen that shows you how many there are used, even that's out of whack. So unfortunately, there isn't. Um, if you run into that, I mean, if, if you feel that it's really slow, move to another charging stall. And um, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Can we just take a second, Trev, because you touched on that, but I want to fully explain for any of the, the new listeners out there or just new owners. Mm -hmm. or not. Sure, let's do that. I agree with I, that. This happens all the time at superchargers. Like there'll be 20 stalls, I'll be parked in 1A, and inevitably somebody comes up and parks in 1B right beside me. And I get out with a big smile and go, by the way, you know, realize our car is sharing the one transformer. So you've just cut our charging rates in half. And they're like, <gasps> what do you mean? I've been charging like, you know, a Tesla doesn't explain that. No, they don't. Exactly. So when, Not when, to new when you pull up to the supercharger, you'll notice they're numbered 1A, 1B, 2A, 2E. And sometimes they're weird because they're back to back. So you have to really check. But if, you know, only half the stalls are occupied, try as much as you can not to be on the same number as right. in the car. So if a car treat, is, treat it like a men's room, yeah. always like, <laughs> between if you can if you can if you can now the only fly in the ointment there is that there are the little urban superchargers the little black and white ones those are not shared those are dedicated but they only have a max of 72 or 73 kilowatts correct exactly. so you feel free to plug into those that's all you're ever going to get out of those ones little, they're little, not little, level th yeah they're not the supercharger v3 solid so. units are, are 72 kilowatts across the board and v3s are not shared so if you're lucky enough to be in a new V3 station, knock yourself out anywhere yeah, you want. Exactly. So okay. I think the second part of the question was, does it, does it help to unplug and plug back in? So if somebody shares the charge with you and they leave, sometimes that's, at least in my experience, the, the charge rate doesn't go up. Sometimes it yeah. will help actually to unplug and plug or back reset in it. and then it'll reset. Yeah. Yes. Good point. Exactly. Excellent point. So. All right. Well, I hope that helps you, Dave. Next question comes from Kicking Gas. I see what you did there. All right. My, my 2018 long range uh, rear wheel drive Model 3 has just surpassed 85,000 kilometers. Well, congratulations. Uh, would it be wise to preemptively pre replace my 12 volt OEM lead, lead acid ba battery? I know that the car is programmed to let you know when the system detects a battery is weak. Uh, my answer to that is not really. Don't do it until it actually tells you. Unless you want to spend the money and do it yourself. But if it's still covered under warranty, at this point, 85,000 kilometers, you don't have any warranty left anymore, but that's up to you. Batteries are relatively inexpensive. But uh, yes, you're absolutely right. The car will tell you when the battery is weak. And you should, as soon as you get that message, call Tesla service and make an appointment right away. Because if that battery dies, 
your contactors are not coming. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to be half flat bedding that car. So, uh, yeah, so that goes for anybody. Anytime you see a 12-volt message on your car, get that looked after right away because you're going to be stuck somewhere. I don't think you have long when that shows up, eh? Nope. It's like nope. a day or two and it's done. Yeah. All right, next question comes from Thomas. Um, yeah, he has several questions here. So, uh, will the silver ever be offered again? There is a good chance that silver may or may not come back, but there is an off chance. If you're really interested in it, call your Tesla local showroom and ask them if it can still be ordered off menu. They may offer that. All right. He said, he then asks, uh, asks, can we expect Fremont production to benefit from, from model, uh, from made in China model three improvements? That's a really good question. There has been some talk um, about the possibility of the Model 3 that's built in China being a little simpler in the body design department. Uh, Sandy Monroe, for example, has always made a lot of noise about the fact that the car is a little overbuilt, too many parts on the body side of things. Um, So obviously we can't confirm that yet because we don't have (laughs) one of those cars torn apart to take a look at it. So I would hope at least from the production side of things, that anything that would go into the Model Y, it's too late for the Model 3 mm-hmm. uh, in Fremont, but at least for the Model Y, yeah, a lot of the learnings were going to be put back into that. Um, he and he then asks, are any um, Model 3, made in China Model 3s, only for the Asian market? No, let me rephrase that. I, excuse me. Are, are made in China Model 3s only for the Asian market? The answer is yes. Uh, do you have a price target for selling Tesla stock? Um, no. Hold. Never. Never. Yeah. Not uh, the way it's going right now, man. Yeah. If yeah. Tesla becomes Berkshire Hathaway, you don't sell it. What's their stock now? $350,000 a share? U.S., I think. That's more than my house. That's, that's, all, like, that's all that matters. <laughs> exactly. so more than my house. That's just for one share. All right. Next uh, question comes from Paul. He says, besides firmware updates and configuration via web portal, what future software functionality could you be seeing added to the new Tesla wall chargers? Oh, I can answer that because I just got one and I installed it. Ooh. He did a video, guys. I did. I'll link to it. Um, my personal opinion here is the thing that I'm hoping for as far as a future software. Now, by the way, in case you didn't know, Tesla has introduced the new third-generation Tesla wall connector, what we used to call the high-powered wall connector. That's the thing you can buy on the wall that gives you the Tesla connector, plug it into your car. The new one's a little bit smaller than the uh, outgoing model. It has a thinner cable because it's only 48 uh, amps, capable of 10 kilowatts. Or No, sorry, it'll go up to 13 kilowatts, sorry. Whereas the old model would... Let me rephrase that. <laughs> Sorry, You're having a hard time in this. I, uh, I am having a hard time this evening. Lots I think of it's part of my I, yeah, lots of numbers. Anyways, the, the new model, the 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 big feature that they added to the new model is a built-in Wi-Fi configurator. At least in this iteration, when I installed it, it's used for the provisioning. On the previous units, you'd have to have the faceplate removed, and there's little dip switches that you have to set to tell it how many amps are coming in. The new unit just sits there. You you uh, bring up the phone app. Um, or uh, a web browser on your phone, type in the IP address, and you tell it what it is, and it stores it in the unit. Now, Tesla says on their website that they will add more features to this through later software updates. The one thing that I would really like to see on this is one of the reasons I got it in the hopes that it does happen is energy usage monitoring. Being able to go into it and have it or download a file or have it sent somewhere, whatever, can I can actually watch my my actual metered usage of energy right on that particular thing, rather than trying to estimate what's going on, um, how much, you know, that kind of thing. Like with um, the, yeah. like with the solar panels. Exactly. So I would expect that to be, 
either available through the web app or through the web browser that's built in or the web server thingy that's built in or integrated with the Tesla app. That would be that would be fantastic. My cat in the back. Sure. <laughs> Distracted. Um, so those are the major things. Um, it is simpler to install. It's actually, uh, I mean, I, I can see the improvements that they've made on it. If you have not bought one, highly recommend it. It's really good. It's a great deal. If you compare other EVSCs on the market, even if you have to buy a Tesla tap to charge your other car, you're still cheaper to buy the Tesla one. Ian knows about this. He has two of them. Yeah, and I mean, our other car is a Volt, and it was still the best deal because with the, the Tesla unit, with the Tesla tap, came out about the same as like an EV Go or like any one of the others, EV Duties, whatever. And uh, the cool thing is they're both sharing a 60-amp circuit and the load share. And even though one car is a Tesla and the other car is the Volt, they still load share between them. It doesn't care what you plug into it. As long as I got the right adapter, it still load shares. It's awesome. I absolutely love them. Yeah, it was, It's even better over here in Europe. You don't have to have any adapters. It's just... Uh the same plug for everybody. We charge our BMW i3 and the Tesla on the same uh, Tesla wall connector. Yeah, because you guys have a standardized level too. Mm -hmm. Whereas here we got the Tesla one and then we have 1772, which is a different thing. Oh yeah, the other thing I should mention is that the new unit can load share up to 16 units compared to the previous four. Which is a little insane. What are you going to get, like three amps per charge or something on a 40 Well, uh, they can each have a 60-amp circuit, and then the, the system will... I think there's some possibilities down the road for them to do more smart. I mean, because yeah. Yeah. The, the, the smart chargers are the future, because there's a lot of people that make this argument, like, you can't have all these electric vehicles in the same neighborhood, there's not enough energy. No, but if the power companies can monitor your usage and actually talk to the chargers and load balance solves the problem right there so there's definitely a movement in the industry to move to these smart chargers so the fact that tesla has put the ability to do firmware updates and a little web browser built into this thing i keep saying web browser i'm getting a web server whatever um i think it opens up a lot of, lot of possibilities so they're being quiet about it right now they just introduced a unit you know and they just made a little mention about firmware upgrades and new features in the future but i think if anybody is uh, looking at buying one of these things i mean it's one thing if you have a hundred kilowatt hour battery pack and you want to charge at 72 amps okay yeah use the old unit but i think going forward this is the only unit they make available so this is definitely the future what about, what about hacking into it hacking into it well, I mean, the only it, 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 web server, it, it could technically be hacked. Well, it does have a Wi-Fi password on there, and then once it's actually connected to your thing, um, you're set that way. So people can't because the password's not inscribed anywhere on the box or anything like that. It's only in the initial manual. And besides, the only thing they could actually do is change your amperage on you, and there's no harm, no foul on that thing. So, I think uh, one of the ideas behind this would be like big installations, like airports or something like that, where you yes. could put 16 of these things next to each other. They all load bal balance, so you save on the overall installation instead of having to put other. You know, yeah. And the load balancing communications is done over a Wi-Fi connection, so that's saving mm. labor there too, because they don't have to run an, an extra wire mm. between all these units for communication. So you know what Although I would I have. What I would have really liked to see in this one would be that you could actually take a network cable from your house down to your garage, and it would be a hot, uh, Wi-Fi hotspot so that your car can update through that thing. That would have been There's neat. a lot of people that have asked about that. There's no mention of that. I think that there's a possibility of doing that if, if, if the wireless module in it is actually um, capable of doing something like that, like a Wi-Fi hotspot or something like that, but it's not really mentioned. Hmm. I think that would, yeah, that would open up some really neat possibilities for a lot of people because, I mean, I have a separate garage and i have to put a wi-fi extender in my backyard in order for my car to actually connect so i mean 
So there's definitely some possibilities, I think. But uh, anyways, Tesla's certainly not showing us all their cards as far as what they want to do with this thing. But I think it's pretty exciting. All right, we need to move on. Let's see here. Uh, how many extra questions? My God, we got so many questions tonight. What should we do next, Eric? Uh, the next one. Okay. <laughs> Jacques. Um, he says, I'm living in the Gaspé Peninsula. That's Quebec. Murdochville, to be exact. We have a significant weather for a big portion of the year. Uh, with this in mind, I got my front end quarters done with PPF and the rest of the car uh, ceramic coated. Excellent. Good. However, hand washing my car halfway through the winter, I noticed my paint peeling off behind front wheels below the doors on the rockers. Where have you heard this before? Everywhere. Um, Tesla said that I uh, that I, that um, what I had is normal road wear. Despite uh, being very upset, I put on aftermarket flaps. What I'm left with is a two-year-old car with missing paint and rust. Should I spray it with trim clad or just try again with Tesla? Ian, what are your thoughts? God, no, not trim clad on Model 3, please. <laughs> Stop, I almost spit up my water. <laughs> no, no, no. I think I know what he means, though. Probably just touch up paint of some some sort. And I mean, you want some sort of a, a pre rust preventative measure. Yeah, I, I would be inclined uh, to fix it yourself. I've yet to talk to a single owner that's gotten any action out of Tesla on this. Uh, I think... I think it's a dead horse. I think now they've come out with the mud flaps, and as far as they're concerned, it's that's, that's which it. are terrible, by the way. Do yeah. not get them, even though they're free. Please spend the thirty-five dollars, buy and the aftermarket ones on Amazon. Start selling uh, mud flaps uh, as of this weekend. Oh, Doesn't matter. Just get aftermarket ones, the ones that I have, uh, Bouge or whatever the hell they're called. Um, they're much taller than the Tesla ones. Um, great insurance please i mean if there's anything and and no the answer is because everybody asks this does it affect your range no it doesn't affect your range put them on it's great insurance save your paint um i mean quebec's a pretty bad place in the sense that they put a lot of crap on the roads in the winter oh, here horrible. it's salt but but you guys put a lot of gravel and stuff it's horrible All kinds of abrasive stuff. so Jacques, we really feel for you there's a lot of people that had the same problem it's been an issue in europe as well in the yep. colder, um, in the colder um, countries, yeah. So. Uh, the solutions move to to warmer climates like uh, <laughs> Florida, that, that, I, yeah. or Spain, yeah, yeah. But but whatever you do, Jacques. I mean, I would personally take it to a body shop and just have them mix up a little yeah, bit of the, the paint and like you know bl sandblast off the rust, like repair it properly. It will only cost you, I think, yeah. a couple hundred dollars just. And then put PPF on it, and then put the mud flaps on. That, I had mud flaps like first day on my car. As soon as I got it in for PPF, I put the mud flaps on before the winter kicked in. So far, so good. All right, next question comes from Danny. Says, "Is the Tesla emergency tire kit worth the eighty bucks? Is the first car I've had with no spare, and I'm worried what would happen. I want to be prepared. Um, I have one. I actually don't keep it in my car, although I should. Um, that is a constant question that a lot of people ask about EVs. Where, where do you keep it in your kitchen?" <laughs> That's like saying uh, I bought underwear, but I wear it over my shorts. Yeah. What, are you what are you talking about? <laughs> it's, the little, it's, it's the little pump thing. Why Have you would not it seen not it? be in your car? If you're, if you're, if you're driving towards Ian's I house. I like to live dangerously. <laughs> I will put it in my car. I have the kit, dude. I don't understand. All right. So the kit that he's talking about is two parts. One, there's an inflator, tire inflator, a little air pump. And the other side is the, the goo um, that you can put into the uh, into the tire however you have to be careful ian you probably have something to say about this because of the foam lining in the stock tires that the goo could potentially get you know yeah. caught up in the in the foam and not spread evenly 
are, there are two issues with using the goo. One of them is um, yeah, there are concerns occasionally about what it does to the TPMS sensors. Most of the goo kits now are designed for TPMS, but you know it's still a bit of a concern. The other is, yeah, uh, you've got the acoustic foam in uh, a lot of the OEM tires used on Model 3. Certainly the, uh, the 18 inch and 19 inch, both Continental and Michelin do have it. And I've had uh, conversations with both companies about this. And um, Continental is perfectly fine with it. Um, and Michelin is kind of on the fence. But this is exactly why I recommend you do buy the Tesla kit. Because if you use their kit with their TPMS sensor and their OEM tire, as far as I'm concerned, they're saying this is designed for the car. So if there's a problem, you can go True. to Tesla. And say, Look, I used your kit. And don't tell me that you can no longer fix the tire, whatever the case is. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. It's, it's a very high quality unit. Um, you know, eighty dollars is maybe a little bit more expensive than you'd get at Canadian Tire or Pep Boys or whatever, but uh, because it comes from Tesla and you know they'll say it's compatible with all the tires on the cars, I think that's reason enough alone to to buy their kit. Hmm. Good points. Or you can move to Europe where we get it by default with the car. Yeah, you guys have laws that are pretty good on the protection mm -hmm. side of stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is a question a lot of people ask all the time. I mean, I'm looking at these EVs and doesn't have a spare tire. Where do you have a spare tire? When was the last time you actually used the spare tire? And you're dragging around this 40 to 50 pound wheel. Yeah. Um, you know, it's I mean everything about about efficiency. I I know of no electric car in the market that has a spare tire. My my previous BMW didn't have a spare tire either. I mean, and that's exactly. 16 years ago. Yeah. I remember when I was working for uh, Tesla previously, and people come in going. Well, where's the spare tire? I'm like, there isn't one. You go, well, what if I get a flat? And I, my question to them was, when was the last time you got a flat tire? And they have to stop and think because they can't remember the last time I got a flat tire. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's it's almost like when Apple removed uh, floppy drives from computers. We're like, well, where am I going to put my disk now? Like Apple goes, you don't need disks. Got it. You don't you yeah. don't need that anymore. That forward. Oh, don't thinking. forget, you do get roadside assistance with the car. So true. Also, yeah. yeah. People are like, I got to wait. Yeah, so. Well, whatever. Can't please everybody. I, I'd say that's actually safer than trying to change your own tire on the side of a highway. Yeah, that's pretty scary. I've done that. All right, moving along. Next question comes from Mark. He says, is the quality, the fit, finish, and paint of the Made in China Model 3s really better than the U.S.? I don't know. Have you actually heard it's actually better? I have no, no idea. People are raving uh, about quality, but I have to say, all, the latest cars coming out of Fremont seem to be spectacular. Like Trevor mine is really good. I mean, I've seen early Model 3s and, they, yeah, there's a lot of fit and finish issues. Mine is excellent. I have no complaints. Other than, you know, an unstuck door seal, but that's Tesla door seals for you. But <laughs> but the exterior of the car looks great. So, Anyways, and the paint is flawless. So, Alright, moving on here. Um, Aaron ha asks, a performance Model 3 owner in Rhode Island, Kim Paquette. Hi, Kim good friend of ours, tweeted that she um, she was told by her service center to schedule an appointment for the Hardware 3 upgrade, that's the FSD computer, and that they don't proactively reach out to order the car. Once you schedule, they order the parts. Do you have any further information about this? Any news for Canada? Um, first of all, I have no news for Canada at this point. Um, Kim did confirm on Twitter that um, if you do make an appointment with them, you need at least uh, about 10 days notice if they don't have the part in stock so they can do it. So it looks like Tesla is actually doing these upgrades now, but you actually have to actually call them now. We were then the impression, at least initially when the news came out, that uh, they would actually reach out to you. That seems to be a policy change on their part that they will actually do it if in coincidence with another service thing that you have to do. So if you want to do it, put a request in now. Um, but... Pick your date at least about 10 days in the future. 
um, so that if they don't have the part that they can actually do it. So if you bought FSD and you want the computer upgrade, sure, give it a go. See what happens. Thanks for asking, Aaron. And uh, hello again to Kim. Don't know if she listens to the show, but whatever. All right, next question comes from Jamie. He says, uh, going to be needing new summer 19-inch tires in the springs. He says, I have 18-inch winter tire and rim package from Tesla. As far as the quality and road noise, should I stay with the factory tires from Tesla, or are there any better options? Ian. Wow, that is such a huge open-ended question. <laughs> we get this all the time. <laughs> yeah, we, we get it a lot. I get it like twice a night on Twitter uh, in PMs. But here's the deal. Um, we got the perfect spot for this. I strongly encourage you, go to the Tesla Owners Online Forum and look up uh, replacement tire thread. We have a dedicated thread for Model 3 replacement tires. There's tons of people that have given input. We basically have a little kind of informal, share your thoughts, your experiences. What did you replace your tires with? How do you like them? You know, what are you looking for? How did it work out? And great discussion going on there. And I mean, spend 30 minutes, read through some of the answers, and very quickly you'll get a feel for probably what is the best tire because no person has the same use case. So depending on what matters to you in a tire, you'll find somebody with a with a similar situation and they can tell you what they found and how they liked it. There you go. The wizard has spoken. All right, next question comes from Dave. He says, do you know if Tesla will ever make a four-axle semi-tractor? The only pictures I've seen are three-axle only. I don't know. Right now, they're making um, three-axle. At least, you have to remember, Tesla is going to be doing this in North America market at least first. So if there's anything like road trains that they use in Australia, that's a possibility in the future. Listen, anything is possible. I would suspect that there are people that are going to be buying the semi-truck and doing all kinds of mods to this thing, even if they're not using it for normal purposes. Lots of people want RVs. Um, landscape trucks, uh, I mean, who knows what they're going to do. So uh, the fact that it's actually body on frame, I mean, there's some definite possibilities there extending the frame and stuff. So don't know yet, but it'll be interesting. Um, let's see here. Next question comes from Tarn. He says, uh, can you tell us about the new wall connector? Oh, we already talked about this. <laughs> I want to know if the shorter 18-foot 18 uh, cord seems that much of an issue. Does the thinner cable and the new connector flex and store easier? All right, so... Um, my previous unit had a uh, 24-foot cord. It is a, it, it's literally twice as large as the outgoing, as the new unit. So wrangling that thing, especially in the cold, uh, you know, Ian, you know what I'm talking about. 18-foot, um, for me, don't really notice that much of a difference because my car is literally less than 10 feet away from the garage, so it's not a problem. It's easier to handle with a cable, that's for sure. Keep in mind, of course, the new unit um, will only handle up to 48 amps, which is the maximum on the uh, Model 3. So if you have a Model 3, you don't need anything fancier because the car can't support it anyway. So uh, again, highly recommend it if that's what you want. So, And oh goodness, another question about the wall connector. This one comes from Ryan. Um, he's asking if the wall connector is backwards compatible with the Gen 2 for load sharing. Okay, that's a really good question. There's no mention of it in the manual, but I did notice that on the back of the unit so the unit is actually two pieces there's a there's a part that actually um, that you mount to the wall and then the cover the rest of the unit uh, goes on top of that now i noticed on the back side um, there are blade connectors that connects to the back part but at the top there's a, a red and a white connector that look like the little spring-loaded things where you can actually insert two little wires now there's no mention in the manual about load sharing with the previous unit but there is a chance that those two wires are possibly for a hardware connection to the previous unit but i can't confirm that so great question. I hope that helps. Yeah, it's a really great question. And I did make and I didn't mention it in my video, but when I looked at those and I that was the first thing that came to mind. I was like, I wonder if those are like for yeah. communication wires to the other unit. So anyways. 
Let's see here. Uh, next question comes from uh, Dan. It says, I ordered a Model Y um, before autopilot was included in the price for the car and now and before the increase in FSD. So my cost is about $2,300 less than if ordering to, uh, today. Will I lose those savings if I edit the configuration? Um, my understanding is if you edit your configuration, I don't think it changes anything because you're actually still locked into the price that you were at before. But don't quote me on that. I don't have a reservation for Model Y. I think that's the case, but Eric would probably know best. What do you think? What? Um, that is, that's a very deep question. Um, to be, I don't want to give a concrete answer now because I don't have a firm answer on what that would be. Um, I know typically with, Floridians, uh, just because I bought my car here, um, I had to still apply for it just as it would anything else. So Tesla didn't really do a whole lot. Um, so a lot of that's on is is basically on you. Uh, if your state has incentives, I would probably your best bet is to contact uh, somebody with either. Uh, my guess is the Department of Revenue uh, would be who you want to contact in your state uh, because they're probably the ones that are going to answer the questions on how that all works. Because uh, every state what about has just costing like calling the local Tesla store. I mean, sure. you, I mean, you could, um, you know, whether they know the answer. I mean, I know there's been people I've talked to in the past that have said, you know, just talk to your local uh, uh, tax collector. Uh, you know, they're they're the ones people know the answer. Um, you can certainly start with you can certainly start with Tesla, but they they may quickly say, yeah, we don't have that. Just refer to your your tax professionals. This is a question about um, the price of the car itself. He's worried, like, he got a better deal on the car because if you buy the car now with FSD, it's about $2,300 more. He's worried if he edits his configuration, does he now have to pay the new price that's higher is the question, actually. <sighs> I, I, you know, well, I think if you edit the configuration, you can actually see what the changes are, but you're not committed to clicking confirm to actually save them. Right. I mean... It's a, it's a good question. Um, I, yeah, I, I would don't say contact. truly have an answer for that. I, 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 I really don't. might warrant a car, a call to a corporate and just ask them too. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, sorry, Dan, we couldn't give you a better answer to that, but thank you for submitting. And, um, if we ever find out, maybe we can follow up on that. Actually, matter of fact, if you do find out on your own, please let us know in a subsequent uh, thing. We'd like to know exactly what happened. All right. We got to move on here. Uh, next question comes from Andreas. He says, Hi, guys. I just moved from Munich to Toronto. Ah, guten tag. It says, um, I'm planning to get my Model 3 standard range plus within the next few months. Now, I'm wondering what's the best way to get my 3 and save a little bit of money. Um, inventory, private seller, importing from the U.S. seems like a hassle. Also, could you please explain how the Canadian tax credit works? Will I get a check back in the mail or is it like Colorado? Uh, blah, blah, blah. Tax return. All right. And he then asks, uh, do you happen to know what the current post delivery price for FSD is in Canada? Can't find it in my configurator. Okay, so here's the deal. Um, right now, according to Transport Canada's website, you can import Teslas um, into Canada. However, being that Tesla is the only company that can actually work on these cars, that's up to them to make the changes required, mostly immobilizer laws, because that's what we have here, um, to the cars for them to be registered um, in Ontario. 
I think if you're thinking about bringing something in from the U.S., please call Tesla first and ask them, are you prepared to do this? Because what Transport Port Canada does and what Tesla does might be two different things. There are some used cars you can look at on the market. I, I did go on to Auto Trader to poke around. There's not a lot of inventory in terms of used cars right now. Mostly, um, uh, there's, some, there's some good deals. Well, not some good deals, but I'm just saying there, there are some private sellers right now, like uh, Shift Motors, uh, Paul Repar, he's, he's a friend of mine, similar to what um, Ian was talking about there in Quebec where he brings in Teslas. So right now, as far as what I can tell, there's only a long-range Model 3. So... Um, now, as far as the federal, uh, federal tax credit, now in Canada, we don't have a federal tax credit on these cars. It's actually an, an actual rebate up to $5,000, but it only qualifies for the standard range uh, plus car, and it's an instant rebate. So Tesla will take it off the, the price. There, there's none of this submission and waiting for a check and stuff. It's taken off the cost of the car right away. So it's super easy um, that ways. Um yeah, so those are your options. If you want to save a little bit of money, that's what you have to do. But um, I, I would advise if you're looking at a used car, um, be very careful out there. Stay away from salvage titles and stuff. Because remember, Tesla's the only company that can actually work on these things. And getting used parts and stuff uh, can be tricky and stuff. So as, at least for Canada and stuff, best to buy it from Tesla or someone who um, who has a good history on the car. So, um, But if you want, you can always call Paul at Shift Motors. He knows all this stuff. All right, uh, moving along here. Uh, where are we here, Eric? Did I miss a spot? No. no. Next question comes from Gabriel. <laughs> Sorry about that. All right, Gabriel, he says, what's the difference between a Model 3 Standard Range and a Model 3 Standard Range Plus? From what I understand, both cars are physically the same, but some of the features in the software locked. Could you be more precise and state the differences? Ooh, okay. Um, there are some differences. Yes, it's mostly software locked um, features. Things like uh, fog lights are present on the cars, but they're deactivated. Um, rear seat heaters deactivated, um, maps um, on the screen. You can't switch to satellite view. You don't get that. Um, you don't get um, traffic display, although it is taken into consideration. It's just not displayed. It is taken into consideration. Um, anything else, guys, that you can think of? I don't have the page in front of me here that shows the differences. This is the range. If you buy a standard range, it's it's limited to 150 kilometers. Oh, is, he might be Katie. Oh yeah, he's. Oh yeah, he did mention Canada. Okay, here's the deal. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that's, about that's this. Beginning and end of that story, like why you would buy a Model Three with less range than a Leaf. Okay. I don't know. Okay. So, here's the deal. A redditor, because you know Reddit <laughs> is great. Uh, Redditor put up uh, some documentation that comes from Tesla that shows a feature comparison between standard interior of the standard range vehicle, the partial premium interior of the standard range plus, and then the premium interior in other cars. So at least there's that breakdown of what each car has that one other one doesn't. Uh, so that's a good list to kind of compare what the differences are. The, the range and other things are certainly uh, differences too, but there's also this, the overall features of the interior. There's a big breakdown of that. Here, here's what Tesla did in Canada. They introduced a standard range car in Canada with a list price of just under $45,000. They did that deliberately so that they could qualify for the federal rebate, which allows a car to go to an MSRP of up to, I think it's $55,000. I don't know of anyone who has actually bought one of these cars. I don't think you can, you can order it, but you'd be insane to do that. Yeah. Your resale price would be so low on the car... Matter of fact, I was sitting in a Tesla showroom one time when there was a, an older couple that were asking about ordering this car. And let me tell you, the salesperson was going 
to great lengths to dissuade them from buying this car. And I was like, I was just going, yes, please don't let them buy this car. Um, yeah, no, don't, please don't buy that car. Tesla deliberately did that to get the next car qualified. So yeah. Plain and simple. It's yeah. You're not supposed to buy it. Yeah. And that's not uncommon. Other car dealers have done this as well um, for the EV rebate in Canada. They were higher priced and they came out with a special, you know, skew just to get that. I mean, it's not uncommon. It's not like this is not unique to uh, to Tesla. So Canada. What? <sighs> yes. L- Lars and I are like oh, our heads going. gaming the system over there. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> it happens. You know what? Canada learned from America. So it's our <laughs> yeah. fault. We did. Yeah, that's it. You corrupted us. And I'm All keeping, right. I'm keeping, you know, just by heritage. So really, I'm not even American. <laughs> okay. Yes, many of you don't know that. All right, moving on here. Last question of the evening. He says, Sir, uh, it comes from Serge. He says, um, have you done the recommended winter maintenance, uh, which is cleaning and lubricating all the brake calipers every 12 months or 20,000 kilometers? Should this be done by Tesla service or can be done more cheaply and at local um, and as good as a local garage? Ian, what are your thoughts? I don't see why a local garage couldn't do it. I mean, one of the nice things about brakes the car, wheels, uh, brakes, suspension components on this car are very ordinary. They're, they, you know, anybody competent, any sort of competent mechanic could service it. So I don't see why not. It's probably a wise idea. I mean, especially if you don't lean into the brakes hard. We we know Model S's with a lot of mileage and years on them in the Canadian environment, the brakes do tend to seize up and they're super expensive to replace on those cars. Um, the standard Model 3 brakes probably aren't much less because especially the big front monoblock Alpers. Uh, I would have them looked at if you're so inclined. I'm probably going to take mine apart this summer just to see what's doing in there. This is something that you can, you know, I'll probably do a DIY video on. It's really not hard to do. It's a good idea. Yeah, it's, it's they're, they're super easy brakes to work on. And just to make sure that everything is moving around in there. And, but, you know, I, as a proactive thing, I, I generally try and find an, an excuse at least once a week to really slam on the brakes. Uh, it does two things. First of all, it gets all the corrosion that's accumulated off the rotors off. And it gives the pistons a little bit of a workout. Um, that's that's the big problem. And especially on a standard Model 3 where you have the floating caliper in back, you want it to move around a little bit on the brackets so it doesn't get seized up. So just giving them a little beat down once in a while will help. But I would say... Especially if you're in uh, in Canada, probably a good idea to have them apart every year or two just to get a little cleaning. Yeah. You know what they say about cars, right? It's not what makes it go that's important. It's what makes it stop that's yeah. more important. So, All right. Well, I want to say thank you to everybody for submitting the questions. Keep them coming, guys. We love them, although the questions are getting longer and longer all the time. Try and keep your questions a little shorter if you can. All right. The, we're going to get to this part of the show where we're trying something a little different now. In this modern age of technology, everybody's about technology and stuff like that, but we're going old school. We're actually recommending books. So who wants to go first? Ian, you go first. No, actually, let's get Lars. You go first because you know, you're our guest. Okay. What do well, you recommend? I am going to recommend a book not about cars. So I'm going to recommend what I have here, and it's called <gasps> Ghost in the Wires by Kevin Mitnick. And it is his autobiography of how he became, I think it has something like uh, the FBI's My most Adventures. Hacker. Yeah, mm-hmm. My Adventures as the World's Most Wanted Hacker. And it's an excellent read. He is a he's a great author. He writes very well. It explains how he, from a very young age, started phone freaking and hacking into systems just be, out of curiosity, out of, you know, he loves doing that. Not because you want to get anything out of it except for the the, the street cred of, of actually having hacked into these things. And so he tells his life story, and it's peppered with these 
very, very interesting and very, very detailed stories about how he hacks into system, how he uses social engineering to, to, uh, to persuade people to, to do his bidding. And it's, it's a fantastic read. I'm really looking forward to it because I have the audiobook and I plan on listening it on my way down to Florida. So yep. that's awesome. Great thought. Um, Eric, what are you reading there, my friend? This uh, great book here. This is a book from Neil deGrasse Tyson called Astrophysics for People in a Hurry. It's now available in paperback, <laughs> but I have the hardcover version. Let me read a little excerpt here because I like to uh, blow people's minds with science. With only one proton in its nucleus, hydrogen is the lightest and simplest element made entirely during the Big Bang. Out of the 94 naturally occurring elements, hydrogen lays claim to more than two-thirds of all the atoms in the human body and more than 90% of all atoms in the cosmos on all scales right down to the solar system. Hydrogen in the core of the massive planet Jupiter is under so much pressure that it behaves more like a conductive metal than a gas, creating the strongest magnetic field among the planets. That's the kind of stuff you get in the book like this. It's mind-blowing. It's amazing. Uh, if you're someone who likes science, you like math, uh, you like nature, you just like learning things, again, the book is not that thick. You could probably read this in a weekend. Um, in fact, I've read this book, I'm not even joking, 19 times. Awesome. And I learn, and I kind of, every time I read it, I'm like, I totally forgot that. I commit more stuff to memory. So it's, it's an amazing, amazing book. Uh, plus, Neil's a stud. He's in the back of the book. It's just, <laughs> it's great. So, so, there you go. Thanks for the recommendation. All right, Ian, you're next. What do you recommend? All right. Uh, Insane Mode by uh, Hamish McCavish. And this is a great book because it sort of complements the book I was talking about last week, the very famous one, of course, the Elon Musk uh, biography by Ashley Vance. And that's a very hardcore story of Elon, where he came from, you know, and goes into his work through Tesla and SpaceX and PayPal and all that great stuff. This is a broader view. He he basically talks about Tesla and the the revolution they've caused, obviously, in sustainable transport and, and energy and so on. But with a much broader sort of 30,000 foot view, he talks about the energy industries and some of their predatory behaviors. He spends a lot of time in China looking at what China is doing and the various startups and car companies over there and what's going on. And so he paints this very broad picture of the, the EV um, industry and the energy industry and so on. So it gives you a lot of background information in terms of what Tesla is up against, who else is in the game. I found it a fascinating read. It was a lot of fun, easy to go through. So that that would be my uh, that would be my pick for this week. I would agree. I've read the book. It's excellent. So highly recommend it. All right. It's my turn. Go. Um, this book is called And the Sea Will Tell, written by Vincent Bugliosi. Um, he was the lawyer that represented the uh, two people in here that were responsible for double murder. I think it was back in the 70s. Uh, they made a I, I, you know, it was made into a small miniseries back in the early 90s. Anyways, it's uh, two, two people, well, the, these couples that met on the island of Palmyra in the South Pacific, and um, they were murdered. And um, anyways, really good, kind of a whodunit book, but uh, he's a lawyer that represented them, and he uh, he goes into depth about the, the, the trial case and exactly what transpired and stuff like that. Really good book. Matter of fact, this was the reason I I like this book so much is that I kind of hold it dear to my heart. This is one. This is the very first thing I ever bought when I got my first credit card. <laughs> so it has an interesting story behind it. Anyways, if you like those kind of uh, stories, highly recommend that book. And the Sea Will Tell, Vincent Bugliosi, also the author of Helter Skelter. Ooh. All right, Lars, 
we're going to sign off here. So we give everybody an opportunity to plug or talk about whatever they want. So what would you like to tell our, our friends and our listeners? Okay, hang on. So if there are any Spanish-speaking listeners, because I live in Spain, and most of the things that I do is in Spanish as a result of claro that. Sí. Oh, oh, very good, Eric. So, hablamos español. So, um, um, we do, I do a podcast together with Rafael Testatino, you might know him. And Ign yeah, and Ignacio that does the uh, test letter newsletter, weekly newsletter. Um, so we do a podcast, which is a little bit different from this podcast. We don't go through, go through the news. What we do is we talk about personal experiences with the cars. Uh, oh, because, yeah, there's a lot of other good, good, good podcasts that talk about all the news and what's going on. So we thought we really want to take it back because it's about the cars. It's about the relationship that you as a person have with your cars. Good and bad, what you experience, how you interact with people that see the car. So we do that every week. And the, the podcast called S Tesla, which is It's Tesla. Um, and people can also, they join in with their calls and uh, we have a good time with that. So that is, uh, that's what we do. And if somebody want to want more content from us, uh, I have a YouTube channel called Tesla Para Todos and it's Tesla for everyone. I do it together with my kids. Uh, it's sort of like a little family thing we have um, because we want it to be accessible for everybody to understand. So if I have an 11 and a 13 year old helping me talk through these things in a way so that everybody can follow along. Follow along. So if you're interested in that, look for Tesla Para Todos, Twitter, YouTube, anywhere. Yep, we'll put links in the uh, video description so you guys can follow them. Well, thank you, uh, Lars, for joining on the podcast. We really appreciate it. No, All right, Eric. Here. Yeah, it's no problem. We'll have you again in the future. Eric, where can people chat with you? So you guys can chat with me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at the handle ECFix. But more importantly, if you're in South Florida, say on Saturday, February 8th, between noon and 4 p.m., you need to go to this website, evsandt.com. That's E-V-S-A-N-D-T-E-A.com. And register to join us at the EVs and T event occurring on Saturday, February 8th at Base Camp Miami. It's in Little Haiti. It's a little area of Miami called Little Haiti uh, from noon to 4 p.m. If you are one of the first 500 people to RSVP, RSVP for this event uh, in the coming days, you're going to be given a free gift bag courtesy of our show sponsor, Evanex. And not only that, I'm going to be there giving you free hugs and free high fives. While supplies <laughs> last, no purchase necessary, but you need to get your asses down there because awesome things that we're all going to be there for the show. Lars is going to be thinking about it, but again, airfare <laughs> is kind of expensive, but mm. the other two guys will certainly be there. We're going to have EVs on display. We're going to have entertainment for the entire family. So bring the kids, bring your neighbor's kids, bring the pets. It's a huge open space. There'll be food and beverage options. We're going to have food trucks, man. Food FN Tacos, trucks. baby. We're going to have an EV discussion panel. We're going to have a model cyber truck. I mean, that's like big things. You can take photographs with that. We're going to have a Q&A with guest speakers, lineups of all kinds of really cool specked out cars. It's going to be a phenomenal event. Uh, sponsored in part by Inside EVs, Evanex, and My EV. Uh, it's going to be a huge event. You need to be there. Uh, we have a schedule. It's going to be all kinds of cool stuff. Just make it down there. And if you're not there, that's okay. There'll be tons of coverage about this event. There may be live streaming, all kinds of cool stuff going on. But if you don't want to miss out on it, go to evsnt.com, sign up, get there, and I will give you a free hug. Just see me. I'll be wearing a free hugs t-shirt, and uh, you'll get a free hug. And hopefully it's not raining and not sweaty and gross, but you'll get a free hug. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. Oh, we look forward to that. All right, Ian, where can people find you? Well, first, before I do that, I think I screwed up our author's name. It's 
Hamish McKenzie. I'm not quite McKenzie. sure. Yeah. Dude, come on. You know, sorry. It's, it's You're the worst, man. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter. The handle is at Velko. My name, quite simply, but the handle reads Matt Hungarian, but the actual tag is um, Addy and Falco. You can find me Tesla Owners Online. The handle there is Matt Hungarian. Go figure. Um, if you have any questions on anything revolving around Tesla, but specifically wheels and tires, that has to be the one thing that I do know a little about. By all means, lines are open. Hit me up anytime. And if I don't know the answer, I'll put you in the right direction on it. Um, and finally, I'll just chime in on Eric. Yeah, I'm super stoked to go down there and uh, meet up with my Florida homies and do the show. So I'm really hoping uh, to meet as many of you out there in listener land as possible. Really looking forward to this. It's going to be a blast. So uh, hope to see you all there. Me too. I'm really looking forward to it. I wanted to mention that uh, next week I'm actually traveling down to Florida. So the day we normally do the podcast, I'm actually driving. So Probably won't be a podcast next week, but sometime during the following week, because we're all going to be together, we're going to do something really fun again like we did last year. So look for that. If you want to follow me on social media, very active on Twitter, the handle's Model3Owners or Tesla Owners Online. You can follow me on the forum at teslaownersonline.com. The handle is TrevP, all one word. And I want to say thank you to our sponsors. Those are the guys at Doolaband Insurance, EvanX, Tesla Accessories, and our good friends at Fine Lab Ceramic Coatings. My car is coated with that. It makes washing it super easy. Anyways, that's it for this week. Thanks for uh, joining in. I want to say thank you to Lars again for joining us this evening. Always welcome. We'll have more guests in the future. And thanks for watching. And we'll see you next time. Good night, guys. We'll see you later. Bonsoir tout le monde. Good night. Bye. Adios. See ya. Sayonara.